welcome back to the Coffee House Theater Cody podcast. Are we saying co or company? I don't know. Whatever you... I don't know. Well, I, we change it up, and then I don't ever know what we're saying. Co? Okay, the reason why sometimes it's co is because it just fits easier in the, like, social media accounts. It and does. And stuff like that. So that's why I sometimes say co, but I guess for that would make more sense to say company, but I just kind of forgot. That's okay. Yeah. We're just... We just struggle, kind of. We'll have it by next episode. We've said episode that. Episode nine. No. <laughs> okay. Episode nine. It's for real. Episode nine. We will for never mess up the title ever again. I didn't say that. I just said we'd get it right in episode <laughs> <laughs> episode nine for just, sure. Okay, fine. Just episode nine. I guess we don't want to pile on too much. Yes. <laughs> You're asking too much of me, Rachel. <laughs> we can't set the expectations gotta, too high. I gotta try this coffee quick before you ask me what, how it tastes. Okay, I'm hurry not. up. Go. She's tasting. It's actually pretty good. Good. You have a mustache. You have a mustache. Do I really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, explain what you have. I have a white chocolate cappuccino, and you'll never guess where we got this from. The Shell Station. Boom! Because we were going to go to an actual coffee place, and then we walked in, and they told us they, they were, were closed. closed. <laughs> and we were like, oh. Like, we actually walked into, like, and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, we're closed. So I guess they forgot to lock the door, and then we felt awkward. Yeah, and they were like, okay, bye. <laughs> so we were like, what do we do now? So, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> we went to the Shell Station. We went to the Shell Station. The best one. <laughs> uh, no, well, I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> so, what kind of coffee do you have? I have a French vanilla cappuccino so with we, yeah. almond milk in it. Because, yeah, you added that when you got home, right? I did. So it would be cooler because it was so hot when we first got it that yeah. I couldn't even drink it. Yeah, I have a tendency to always burn myself when I'm <laughs> eating and drinking stuff. So, Or even when you're not. True. Uh. <laughs> I, bur- I burnt myself last time, too. It's just the theme. I don't want to get a foam mustache. You don't have one. I know. I'm smart now. Yes, you are. I learned how to not get one. I'm so proud of you. <sighs> so, what is new with you? I just saw you, I feel like. You did? Yeah. But is I- there anything new? <laughs> um, not really. I guess with the podcast, or. We're getting more people, so yes. that's good. Every day, it's going up, and it's really exciting. It is really exciting, and I hope a lot of people enjoy it and having a good time, because I know we are. We definitely are. We, yeah. We have fun. What? What happened? I just realized we don't have automatic level control on, so sorry if you're listening to this, and <gasps> the sound was weird. I fixed it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're messing up things once again. You know, it's okay. We Positivity. are not techie at all. Yeah. And so She's the techie one out of us two for I, this I'm, podcast. I'm getting there. She is the role of the editor. Which last episode you told me I didn't edit anything, so. Okay, but normally you, you didn't have to, really, yeah, for our past ones. That's but this true. past episode you had to edit a lot. Yeah, we, we had a lot of, our mic is interesting. It gives us some issues and, like, Last episode, it kept cutting out, and so, like, the recording would just stop, and it did this, like, five times, and then there were a few things that we had to cut out, because we were just decent. (laughs) Yeah, and then, so you, you have to do that fun stuff, and then I normally do the media things. So if you reach out on social on social yeah. media, you're going to get Aaron and not me cuz yeah. I'm not even signed into any of the social <laughs> media accounts. You're not? No. I I always get the like I don't even have post notifications on for our like Instagram page. So like I'll get on Instagram and I'll see like there was a post and I'm like, "Oh, cool. There's a, it's a new oh, post from our Instagram." <laughs> I'm funny. I'm just as shocked as everyone else when you post stuff. <gasps> yeah, the I surprise. Ne- I never know. <sighs> Is anything new with you? Not really. I'm just, I'm vibing. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, well, I moved to college uh, in a week. So Aww. I'm really sad for different reasons. But I'm, I'm sad, really sad about leaving my dog. Mateo. Mateo. We love Mateo. <laughs> I, like, I literally talk about my dog all the time. It's okay. Our dogs are very special to us. We love our dogs. Which, speaking of dogs, we have a dog guest star today. Yes. Which is my brother's dog, Posey. 
And she's adorable. She's adorable. But you want to see her? She's on the social media already. She, she's really so like tootsie. she's really big. So if you hear like aggressive jingling, that's her probably <gasps> just walking around. Yeah. Hey, Posey Joe. We love Hello. her, and we also love Tootsie, so she doesn't yes. feel left out. <laughs> Tootsie's sitting on the table right now because <laughs> Tootsie's a cat, and she does what she wants. So she eats, drinks, and sometimes chills on the table. Well, now I, ha- now I feel like I need to tell the story behind this so they don't think I'm crazy for letting my dog on the table. I forget the story, honestly. I just okay. accepted it. That was uh, Tootsie's <laughs> personality. So, yes, my dog sits on the table. But the story behind this is we have to get her, like, really expensive food because she has is allergic to, like, everything. And so we have to get her, like, a special, like, ZD diet. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't, like, eat. She's not one of those dogs that, like, eats everything right away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. She eats when she wants, and it's only like a few bites. So we've had her food on the floor, but then ants started to get in it, and there would be a bunch of food, and we were having to throw it all out. Um. And like it's really expensive, so we were like wasting all of this food. So finally, we started to like sit the food on the table, and then when Tootsie was hungry, she would come and growl at us, and we put it on the floor, and she would eat. And then when she was done, we put it back on the table. And eventually, she figured out that if she just jumps on the table. She doesn't have to growl at us. So mom and I were sitting in, like, the living room, and we hear munching, and we both looked at each other, like, like, we heard, like, rattle, 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 and then <laughs> of her jumping up there and then munching, and we both looked at each other, like, her, is it her food on the table? And I stood up, and sure enough, she was standing on the table eating her food, and we tried so hard to break her of that. Like, every single time we'd see her on the table, we'd put her down. That is so funny. But she just... She kept going up, and finally we just kind of gave up, and now she I love her food's on the table, and then she started to lay up there. Like, instead of, like, eating and jumping down, she then decided she liked to lay up there, and so we ended up putting a blanket up there for her to lay on so she wasn't always on the table. Oh, my gosh. We wash it really well before we eat, but yes, she's on the table most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. It does make you guys sound like you're crazy if you don't know the whole story. But there is a story behind yeah, it. That makes sense, though. Like, there's no way we that. can block off the chairs so she just can't jump up there. So she's, yeah. she's so small, she can, like, figure out a way up there regardless. And the fact that she doesn't eat all her food, like, at once is so crazy. Because Mateo eats all of his food within 30 seconds. <laughs> Mateo's a growing boy. He's a growing boy. <laughs> He's a big boy, so. But, yeah. Okay. Wow. wow. Great stories. Puppies. We love dogs. Okay. Uh, musical review today i'm really excited for mine i think this is my favorite one that i've done so far also i feel like this is still like not an incredibly known musical but it's like more known because i feel like whenever people ask for like not very well known of music recommendations or musical recommendations i see i'm i see this one multiple times so today i'm doing bear a pop opera and yes, it's really, really good. So it is a coming-of-age musical with music by Damien Intrabartola, lyrics by John Hartmere, and a book by Hartmere and Intrabartola. There we go. Okay. It's, it's a weird last name. I just Sorry. realized I don't have anyone for my musical that, like, I didn't write down who wrote it and that stuff. Not this episode? Yeah. It's Sorry, okay. guys. You can look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> okay. Any, moving moving on. on. Moving okay. on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> the story behind this is really good. The music is like equally as good. I really, really liked the music in this. Um, I guess there's a few like upbeat ones, but a lot of them I feel like kind of meet more of like the ballad area. Mm-hmm. But they're all they're all beautiful. They they're really good. Yay. Okay, so story. This story is about a group of high school students and their struggles at their private Catholic boarding school. So they call this the opera, because I'm pretty sure, obviously I haven't actually seen it, but, like, listening to it, I could hear the whole story, so I'm pretty sure, and, like, there's dialogue in the songs, oh. and, mm-hmm. you know, opera is technically any show that has a little dialogue, like, okay, just very little sense. dialogue, so I think technically this is an opera. So it has, the opera opens at a mass on the Feast of the Epiphany in St. Cecilia's boarding school. Peter, who's an altar boy, is dozing off and having a nightmare. He's, like, outed, and he's condemned by everyone at that mass. And then... After the Mass, Peter comes across Jason, who is St. Cecilia's resident golden boy. Jason is also Peter's roommate and secret lover. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. So, you already know it's going to be, like, interesting. 
because, like, they're at a Catholic boarding school. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, Jason tries to reassure Peter on their secret relationship that everything is going to be okay. And then after that, they're talking a little bit more, and then Peter tries to convince Jason to audition for the school's production of Romeo and Juliet. And right at, like, in the start, Jason refuses. He's like, no, I'm not like that. Like, I think I'm going to go out for the baseball team. Like, I don't want to do drama. And I can't sing and I can't act, which this part's really funny because he says I can't sing and I can't act while he's singing a song. <laughs> and he's acting. And he's acting. So it's, it's, it's um, like a high school musical where he's like, I can't dance. I know you can. It's like, we all know you can <laughs> dance. Like, you're in you're a high musical. school musical. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, then Jason leaves, and Peter is alone, and he reflects on his relationship with Jason. And then the scene changes, and it's at auditions for Romeo and Juliet. The drama teacher, who is Sister Chantel, which, by the way, she's amazing. Sister Chantel, I love her. She's, like, one of my favorite characters in this show. She is dismayed by the lack of adept actors because they all kind of suck. They There's an area where they're all singing, and it, they're really all off pitch, and she's like, oh my gosh, help me. Mm-hmm. But then Jason shows up to everyone's shock. So he and Matt, who is another altar boy, they both battle for the part of Romeo. In the end, Jason is cast as Romeo. Ivy, who is Peter and Jason's friend, and Matt is in love with. Um, so she's cast as Juliet. Peter as Mor- Morcusio. I can never say these names. Um, Matt as Tibble and Nadia, who is Jason's overweight, sharp-tongued twin sister, she's cast as the nurse. Okay. So, new character introduction. There was Matt and Ivy. Um, Ivy is Peter and Jason's friend. Matt is in love with Ivy. And then there's Nadia, who is... Matt's twin twin? sister. No, not Matt. Who... Nadia is Jason's twin sister. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so she's cast as the nurse and like she's overweight so she was going out for the role of Juliet and like she didn't get it and she sings like she's really upset about it because like she says like it's about her weight and like since she's bigger she can never yeah she'll never like get the Um, lead role she's kind of mean though like she's really mean to Ivy during this show which Ivy I think is kind of kind of a slut oh I'm uh, she she pretty much is and like there's a lot of things about it, but, like, Nadia's, like, really mean to her a lot of the time. I still liked Ivy, but I guess that's besides the point. So, <laughs> after, like, the cast list comes out, Jason is, like, attempting to console his sister, who, like, obviously she really wanted to play Juliet, and in order to console her, they open up a belated birthday gift from their dad, and Jason finds out that he has been accepted into Notre Dame, the college. Oh. Yeah, so that's pretty Dang. exciting. Um, later on, so, like, it switches scenes again later on matt wants to plan a small birthday surprise party for ivy because her birthday's coming up and lucas who is the school's party boy plans a trip to a rave and at this he brings along ecstasy and two other drugs and so seeing ivy and what she because she is on the drugs and um he she's also saw like what the effects on matt were because like they had taken these ahead of time a little bit before they went to the rave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing these effects, Nadia decides to spend a quiet night at home and play her cello, which is the song that you really like. <gasps> oh, yes. Okay, so I don't know nothing about this opera musical except for that song, and I love that song. Yeah, so that's where the song comes in. She decides she doesn't want to go to the party because she sees what these drugs are doing to, like, Ivy and Matt already. So she's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay here and play my cello. Oh, okay, that makes so much more sense. Yep. Okay, so at the rave, Peter dances with Jason and Ivy. I have, yeah, Peter dances with Jason and Ivy dances with Matt. So, and then during this, Peter tries to kiss Jason, who leads him outside. So they argue over their secret relationship. Peter wants Jason to come out and make their relationship known, but Jason refuses because he's afraid to be condemned and lose everything that he has. Eventually, Peter and Jason kiss, and Matt sees everything. So, like, he walked outside, because Peter was, like, pretty drunk at this point, and so when he tried, like, that's why he tried to kiss Jason in public, so, like, Jason leads him outside, and then Matt comes out to check on them and watches all of this happen. Okay. Okay, so, the next morning, the students gather for confession. So, they, it's, the song is called Confession, and they're all confessing for the party that they had the night before. (laughs) (laughs) So, Matt and Peter both nearly spill their secrets to the priest. Matt about seeing the kiss and Peter about being gay, but they don't. So, 
and then it switches scenes again and it goes to practice for Romeo and Juliet that evening. Sister Chantel realizes that she has her work cut out for her because everybody's tone deaf. <laughs> uh, Nadia jokes about Ivy's... Wait, wait, sorry. Romeo and Juliet, that's just a play, but... That's the show they're doing, yeah. But there's mu- is there like a musical version of it too? I guess in this one there is. Okay. I don't I know if there is in real life. I don't know. It's a good question. I'll have to look. There is in this okay. musical. I can never say this word. Promiscuity. Promiscuity. I can't say it. Look at me go. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sounding out letters here. So Nadia jokes about Ivy's promiscuity and making Ivy consider the impression that she has on the other students. So like there's a lot of jokes about like Ivy like Nadia says at one point like Ivy's bed is always warm because there's oh. always a guy there. Like she's like she like condemns Ivy constantly. So she Ivy starts like thinking about her impression. And then it jumps to the birthday party for Ivy. So the one that they had been planning oh, a little yes. bit ago. So it's Matt so Matt is the one who planned it. His little get together became a huge party thanks to Nadia's hand in planning it. Um, during this party, Peter accidentally eats some pot brownies and he begins to flirt with Jason. A drunk Ivy also flirts with Jason, and Jason chooses her over Peter to save his face. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Peter gets really hurt and upset, obviously, and he storms off. Ivy asks Jason to kiss her as a, bir- as a birthday present, and he reluctantly agrees, so they kiss. And Matt what witnessed all of that and he left the party as well because he saw that ivy was ignoring all of his advances and now he's upset because you know he planned this whole thing to like try to win ivy yeah and she's all over jason now so he left and he goes to sit alone with a bottle of wine (laughs) (laughs) yes he's my favorite character (laughs) he goes um so he sits with a bottle of wine and he's expressing his frustration while peter is nearby doing the same thing they realize they're like near each other and they drink together and they comfort each other so peter's drunk and high so a drunken high peter whispers to matt the true nature of his relationship with jason so mm-hmm. peter tells matt that him and jason are dating yeah so matt heads to bed and peter has a vision of sister Chan- of a sister chantelle like virgin mary with angels this virgin mary like sister chantelle tells him that he needs to come out to his mother and so after that, it jumps to Romeo and Tybalt's fight scene, which, obviously, they were rehearsing. Like, they were rehearsing that scene. Mm-hmm. And they, the two boys, so Matt and Jason, they abandon the script. So, like, this fight scene pretty much becomes real as Matt tackles Jason. He calls him, uh, disclaimer, this is, I'm going to spell it out. Uh, Matt calls Jason an F-A-G-G-O-T. Um... Because, you know, he's mad about everything that happened with Ivy. Yeah. And knows, like, the true nature of him. And so they are separated by an angry sister, Chantel. Um, After everything's calmed down, Peter and Jason start talking again. Peter tells Jason about his vision and asks him to come home with him for spring break so he can come out to his family. Jason panics, afraid of what his father might do if he ever found out, and he breaks up with Peter. Oh, my... Later, Nadia sings a sardonic song she wrote about spring, which is the name of a song. Uh, Peter leaves for spring break without a word to Jason, and Ivy shows up at Jason's dormitory room to apologize for her actions on her birthday. Jason tells her it was cute, so Ivy goes in for more, and... Oh, God. Yep. Yeah, so it leads to that. Okay, anyway, Peter and Matt... Wait, does... Wait, does he reject her? No, he doesn't. Oh, Okay. Because he's, you know, I think he's trying to convince himself to be straight. So yeah. he tells Ivy her advances are cute and one thing leads to another and... Oh, God. Yeah. So he's actually gay, but he's sleeping with Ivy. Oh. Okay. Um, Peter and Matt pine for each of their loves. So Peter, like, is still fighting with his, like, love for Jason and Matt, obviously, for Ivy. Nadia wishes to be noticed while Jason sleeps with Ivy. So, like, we talked about that. Um, and he hopes it was the right thing to do, which in itself is a totally contra- like contradictory because, you know, Catholic Church teaches you're not supposed to sleep before marriage. So yeah, he's, like, he's like, I'm gay, but I'm going to sleep with her and hope that just makes things better. Yeah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how they end Act 1. Oh, my. <sighs> so Act 2, it opens in the school chapel, which is decorated elaborately for Peter and Jason's wedding. The ceremony instead turns to Jason and Ivy's wedding, as this is actually Peter's nightmare. 
Oh. Mm-hmm. Poor Peter. He's struggling. I feel so bad for him. Uh, just wait. Oh, he's, <laughs> oh God. Frank, come on. So, later that day, class ranks are posted, and Jason has achieved the valedictorian spot, once again, besting Matt. So, Matt's, like, also mad at this, because now Jason has Ivy. Jason is number one in the class. Yeah. Ivy tells Jason that he is her first true love, even though she's been with other boys before. Jason, realizing what Ivy is talking about is the way he feels about Peter, breaks up with her, leaving Ivy devastated. Oh, my. (laughs) So... Jason's just digging himself a hole here, let me tell you. So Peter calls his mother, Claire, to come out to her, but she completely evades the point. So, like, she keeps, like, bringing up other topics, so he can't... Because, like, she knows... There's a song that she sings where she talks about how um, he started... He was, like, always, like, drawn to, like, her makeup table, and that uh, when he was nine, her husband left, and she says, like, she knows there was a connection between the way... Because that was when, like, he started to show things that weren't quote-unquote normal for boys to do. Yeah. And so the dad got mad and left. Oh. Yeah. And so, like, she sings a song about all of that. Oh. Yeah, it's really pretty, but it's really sad. So, like, she she ev- completely evades the point. And then once they hang up, she is really shaken, and she knows what Peter was trying to say. So, eventually, her love for him is stronger than her religion, and she accepts him. Aw, yes. Yes, we stand, Claire. Okay, and so then it goes to two weeks before the show. Ivy misses rehearsals, and this is not the first time she's missed rehearsals recently. She claims that she's sick. So Sister Chantel asks Ivy's inept understudy, Diane, to play Juliet. So Diane is stumbling, and she forgets her lines, and during all this, Peter decides to take over because he knows it all, too. And during this moment, all is well as Peter dances with Jason during the rehearsal that is until ivy appears at the very last minute sister chantelle cancels rehearsals because everything's just chaotic right now and peter leaves ivy pulls jason aside and tells him that she has something she needs to tell him and he agrees to talk before the student-led rehearsals because the students decided to go ahead with rehearsal even without sister chantelle (laughs) um after the other students leave peter returns to pick up his things and sister chantelle tells peter that she knows what is bothering him and that he is just as god wants him to be and she sings a song to him called god don't make no trash oh yeah it's it's real sweet yes so peter's like being accepted by like everybody right now and we stand that um so then it switches scenes again and nadia returns to her dormitory and she argues with ivy about missing rehearsal she assumes it was because jason broke up with her and that's why she was missing but ivy reveals that she is pregnant with his child yeah i started (laughs) yep and that's why she's been missing oh god so ivy finds jason practicing his valid valid victorian address wait a minute yeah his speech in the auditorium and says that she is pregnant and that she still loves him matt comes in and reveals to ivy that the reason why jason cannot love her is because he is still in love with peter and at that point peter and nadia arrives and peter jason and matt all start to exchange really heated words so like they start to verbally fight Peter admits he told Matt, but he's not sorry for it. The rest of the cast, who were waiting for rehearsals to begin, had heard everything as they were waiting in the auditorium. <laughs> you're just walking in, and you're like, huh? Okay, I gotta say, all I could think about when reading this is us peeking in Charlie's window <laughs> during Willy Wonka. <laughs> like, in this, like, they're all just chilling in the auditorium, like, listening. Like, oh, my gosh. What comes next? So, the secret's out now. Everyone leaves, including Peter, or everyone leaves, leaving Peter and Jason alone. Jason begs for Peter's help with everything, but Peter says he tried to help, and he also leaves. So, Jason had just had the bomb dropped that he got a girl pregnant, and, you know, Peter's just like, yeah, sorry, I'm not gonna help you. Oh, yeah, he's like, You broke up with me. Yeah. I tried to help you, and... Like, if you would have just come out when I asked you to, you would never be dealing with this. Yeah. This is your own problem. So, distraught, Jason reflects on his relationship with Peter and how even though his fear, and how even though through his fear, he knows that it is the only thing that will comfort him, Peter being the it. I wrote that really weird. (laughs) He knows that Peter's the only one who will comfort him. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) So, Jason, having nowhere else to go, goes to the priest to ask if God still loves him and can forgive him. The priest talks with him for a while, but ultimately says that Jason will only be fine if he denies his natural feelings. 
So Jason's getting the tough end of the stick. Peter's getting like the accepting, Aww. and Jason's getting like the complete opposite. <gasps> so during rehearsal, Lucas, who's the party boy, he starts. To- <laughs> he comes back. Is there another party? Is that the only reason? No, he's he just back? he just shows up. He starts to pass out drugs to others, and he tells Jason that they're still cool. He's like, "Yo, I know that you're gay, but it's fine. Like we can still be friends here. Have some drugs." Nope. Oh. <laughs> Jason tells Peter that he talked to a priest about his their relationship to show Peter that he still cared, and then Jason asks Peter to run away with him, but Peter refuses to run and thus tells him it's over because he says he's had enough. He's had his fill of hiding and running away. Oh. Because you know everybody he's talked to has been super accepting of him, and he's like, "I don't want to hide again. Like I'm ready to be free." Yeah. Jason, thinking that means he's lost Peter for good, he takes a large dose of GHB, which is a drug. Okay. Very large dose of it. And this is, like, the night of the show. So as the school play begins, Jason again pulls Peter aside, telling him that he's always loved him since they first met. Peter tells him he loves him too, and if they part, it's not goodbye. The lovers kiss, and the song is Bear, which is, you know, name of the show. Okay. So during the show, Jason becomes increasingly disoriented, and while Peter is delivering his Queen Mob speech, Jason loses his place and he begins to hallucinate. During the masked oh. ball scene, he collapses and he reaches for Peter, who holds him as he dies from an overdose. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> so sad! So, Jason dies. Peter goes to confession, intending to confront the priest about Jason's last visit. The Peter accuses the priest of failing to show Jason empathy, and while the priest merely, merely apologizes for Peter's loss, Peter ironically ends up forgiving the priest. At graduation, Peter, Matt, Ivy, and Nadia wonder whether or not they could have prevented Jason's death, and they consider the role they played in it. They all graduate, and they move forward into a world that will yield more questions than answers, and that is how it ends. This one, like, got me. It's, it's real sad. I kind of wanted to cry when I was reading this. I, I got, know. I got teary-eyed. I was Once like, he said that, I just thought he was going to be a mess on stage. I wasn't expecting him to, to die. No. Well, I figured, like, when it said, like, he took this large dose of GHB, I was like, okay, he's just going to, like, make a fool out of himself on stage or something. Yeah. I was not expecting him to overdose at all. And I was... And, like, Peter Sad. held him as Jason died. So, like, Peter just keeps getting the tough end of the stick here. I thought Jason was getting the tough end of the stick. I mean, Jason died, but... <laughs> I mean, Jason also kind of... Not... <laughs> why, not do you, why do you keep saying the tough end I of the stick? Know, that's just You've like, said it, like, five times. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry! <laughs> and then you're like... You're like, Jason's on the tough end of the stick, <laughs> but Peter is getting accepted <laughs> I didn't even by they're the both, word. They're both struggling, okay? At different I think moments. we're all on the tough side of the stick. Sudden <laughs> <laughs> so, so not get Victoria. <laughs> I think we can all sing. I think we all sing. There we go. Oh my god. I had to. Well, they both have their fair share of things, but, you know, if you look back on, like, Peter with the whole thing... Jason, you know, yeah, chose a girl over him because he was too scared, and then he had to hold Jason while he died at the end. Yeah, sorry, I use that expression a lot. Now I'm self conscious about know. it. I never noticed it till today. I was just getting confused on who was on the tough <laughs> side of the stick and who wasn't. They both were okay at different times. I know they switched. <laughs> it's like leapfrog. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And now I just, I feel like I'm so sad. This next one isn't really sad. Oh, wait, think. coffee, coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, you should. Okay. Do that, do that. Um, I really don't have a reason for most of these either. <laughs> I have Peter as a vanilla iced coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have Jason as a macchiato. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have, he's a cafe mocha. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me, but, like, I don't... <laughs> Not, Nadia I had a reason for. She's kind of extra, so I made her a frappuccino. Okay. Matt made me mad, so he's a coffee with cream and sugar, because he's not, like, a horrible person. But he just, yeah. He made me mad. I get it. And then Sister Chantel, I made her a caramelized <sighs> coffee, because she's the bomb.com. Because that's your favorite. And I love you her. I love her. So I gave her my favorite drink. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no reason. Jason, a macchiato. <laughs> 
Okay. Peter's a vanilla iced coffee. <sighs> so you're ready for a gentleman's guide to love and murder? I am so ready. I've okay. heard of this one before. Yes, and it's it's very long, so I'm going to try to go through it quick. But it's it's kind of a struggle, okay? Okay. So it starts out with a group of people, and they're dressed in morning clothes. And <laughs> they advise the audience, so they speak to the audience. Those of you... Or, yeah, those of you of weaker constitution, you should leave the theater, as the show might be disturbing. Oh, that's reassuring. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me. Um, okay, I guess I'll catch you later. <laughs> so, now goes to the actual show. It's 1909, and Lord Montague, who's named Monty, so throughout the whole show he's called Monty. He is the ninth Earl of Highhurst, and he's in jail. He explains that he is writing his memoirs on the eve of his possible execution and that his story could be called A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. He begins writing. So now he is now goes back in time to write his like everything that happened in his life. Oh, that's cool. So it's well, not everything. It goes back 2 years. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's 1907 and Monty is living in a shabby flat. So he doesn't have much money. He's just uh, kind of common. He's not a lord yet? No. Okay. Uh, and his mom, who was a washerwoman, has just died. Aw. A mysterious old woman approaches him. Her name is Miss Marietta Shingle. A lot of times they just say Miss Shingle. And she arrives to tell Monty that his mother was, in fact, a member of the aristocratic Desquith family. Dysquith. It's Dysquith, I think. Okay. It's really hard. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. So basically what happened is his mom, who's named Isabel, had eloped with a Spanish musician who's also deceased, which caused her family to disown her. So that's Ooh. why he's no longer royal, because she eloped and moved away. So wishing to spare her son any shame, Isabel never told him the truth of his ancestry. Miss Shingle says Monty is ninth in line to inherit the earldom, the earldom of Highhurst. So, like, an earl yeah. is, you know, you heard that term. Mm -hmm. I guess it's, like, some kind of, like, a count. And, okay, so he, Monty writes a letter to Lord Asquith Dysquith <laughs> Sr., the head of the Dysquith family banking house. And he explains his connection to the family and asks if there is a job for him. Uh, then, um, also, Monty is in love with Miss Sibella Halward, but she will not marry him due to his poverty. Ooh. Uh, so, right now, she is interested in a man of higher status named Lionel Holland. She, or Monty explains the story of his lineage to her, and she, like, believes it, but she also says, well, eight people would still have to die in order for you to become Earl, so. Oh, I see yeah. what's happening here. Yeah. Okay. So, Mon then Monty receives a reply from Lord Asquith's son, Asquith Dysquith Jr. <laughs> Denying <laughs> Isabel's existence and warning Monty against contacting the family again or using their name. So it wasn't the, the head, it was his son that responded. So Monty takes a tour of Highhurst Castle, the Dysquith's ancestral home on Visitor's Day, where the spirits of his Dysquith ancestors admonish him that he does not belong there. So they, like, warn him, like, you need to get away. Um, Lord Alde Aldebert Dysquith, so the current Earl of Highhurst. Dysquith. <laughs> I know. Catches Monty looking around the ancestral library and drives him out. And he then sings a song where he's like, I don't understand the poor. Because he's just, he's so annoyed at commoners. and Mood. Flooding his home. Mon me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> no, me. Monty decides to try his luck with the clergyman in the family by talking to a dithering old man named Reverend Lord Ezekiel Dysquid. <laughs> These are some names. Yeah. I'm this crazy. 
So the reverend, so instead of leaving, he finds the reverend and he, the reverend gives him a tour of the family church. And he asks him about his mom and the reverend remembers Isabel as a charming girl who broke her father's heart but refuses to advocate on Monty's behalf. So he's not saying he will, because he knows that that Isabel's actually his mom and that he is technically royal, but he just doesn't want to deal with the conflict involved with that. Uh, so Monty and the Reverend ascend the bell tower where the Reverend nearly loses his balance thanks to a gusty wind and I think he's also drunk. <laughs> and then Monty realizes how easy it would be to just let the Reverend fall. Mm. Which would be his revenge for um, him not saying, like, not claiming him as a part of the family. Yeah. So, and he would also be one step closer to the earldom. So, rather than assisting the Reverend to safety, Monty lets Reverend Lord Ezekiel fall to his death. Oh, okay. Yeah. Solid. Uh, so now there's only seven, right? No, there's... Because there were eight in front of him before he became the Earl. Oh, yes. Now there's only seven. Yes. Math. (laughs) (laughs) Monty returns to his job as a clerk, frustrated as unworthy men grow rich, including Asquith Dysquith Jr. So he doesn't like the the son. Say that name again. Asquith Dysquith Jr. Squith, squith. (laughs) I know! It's hard! Um, So he's just like... <gasps> He's upset. I mean, I would be too if that was my name. <laughs> no, not him. Monty's upset. Oh. But yes, I would probably. <laughs> so he notices Asquith Jr. and his mistress, Miss. I don't want to say it. Evangeline Barley. Doesn't really matter. Um, they are going away to a winter resort. So they're going to be in like a secluded area. So he follows them with the intention of poisoning Asquith. Asquith Jr., but he is unable to get close enough to deliver the poison, so he fails that attempt. Asquith Jr. and Miss Barley go ice skating on a frozen lake, and Monty cuts a hole in the ice, and the Skechers fall through and drown. Oh. Did I say skaters? Did I say Skechers? You said Skechers, but I was was just going with it. I was like, the Skechers. And it it was ones with the Velcro straps, or the Velcro straps. And they drowned. I can't believe they drowned. The Skechers. Like, Velcro. Oh, my gosh. Velcro. I know. I was like, why am I saying Velcro? Velcro makes it so much stronger. How did it drown? So, they drowned. (laughs) The Skechers have drowned. Uh, Monty returns to London and receives a letter from Lord Asquith Dysquith Sr. apologizing for the tone of his son's letter and inviting Monty to the bank to speak about getting a job. Yes. He's like, oh. He is grief-stricken by his son's death with a skating accident and offers Monty a comfortable salary and a job as a stockbroker, and Monty accepts. Then Sabello informs Monty that she is now engaged to marry Lionel Holland. He's like, I gotta hurry up. He's like, oh no. <laughs> Just wait, I got a few more people to kill. Just give me a hot second, okay? <laughs> Upon learning of Monty's new position and income, she begins to reconsider, but forces herself to go through with marrying Lionel. I don't know if I'm even saying that. Le- Lionel? I don't know. Lionel Richie? Lionel? Lionel? I'd say Lionel. Okay. I feel like I should know that, but... Monty now fixes on his distant cousin, Henry Dysquith, a country squire. He encounters Henry in a town pub and rescues him from an assault by a foreclosed tenant. Uh, Henry is married, but clearly prefers the company of men. Oh. (laughs) Monty picks up, or he kind of realizes and decides to become his friend. Uh, (laughs) Henry is... Also, an avid beekeeper. <laughs> he keeps, yeah, bees. Okay. And tells Monty that a person can be killed by an ex- excess of bee stings. Well, of course he tells him that. Yeah. Uh, Monty obtains a bottle of lavender perfume to which the bees are extraordinarily attracted to. At the Dysquith Country Estate in Salesbury's Salesbury, Salesbury, <laughs> Monty Dows is 
Henry's beekeeping closed with the lavender and introduces himself to Henry's sister, who is named Miss Phoebe Dicewith. So, uh, he knows that they were attracted to the lavender perfume, so he sprays him, and then the bees go after him. Fun. And he ends up being stung to death. Fun. Uh, but what then a way to go. He starts, yeah, yeah. And so then he starts talking to Miss Phoebe a lot, and they start to have, like, kind of a connection. Uh, Monty consoles Phoebe about Henry's death, and he realizes, well, since I can't be with Sibella, um, Phoebe would be a perfect woman to, like, be his countess when he becomes Earl, so he decides to, he's kind of like, okay, never mind his Sibella. So he started all this for Sibella, and now he's like, meh. He, like, did, but also, I don't, I think he also just didn't want to be poor anymore. Yeah. So it was a little bit both. I mean, I guess that's one way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As a woman of his own generation, so, like, she doesn't stand in line before him. So, like, she doesn't, he doesn't have to worry. Like, they're related, but he doesn't have to worry about her getting it before him. Yeah. And him are related? Yes. But, like, it's, I don't know. They're, like, not closely, I think maybe, like, third cousins or something i don't know so it's okay but also that might have been accepted (laughs) i don't know 1909 because want to get married okay not first cousin i don't think maybe does it specifically no it doesn't say just as a uh let me see i feel like back in that day it was like acceptable so there probably is a chance that they were like first or second is distant cousin distant okay so i think it's fine uh, okay, because uh, there are other women who do come before Monty in the lineage, including Lady... What the heck? What is with these names? Lady Hyacinth Dysquith, an unmarried woman who devotes herself to philanthropic causes, primary with, or primarily with the aim of bolstering her own social position. So she does this stuff mainly because she just wants to look good and stuff. She don't really care about what it does. Uh, so then he goes in disguise, Monty does, as a, as if he is a member of the foreign office, and he encourages her to travel to Egypt, and then to India, because they have a lot of problems at this time. So, uh, it just says that, I guess Egypt just had a war, so like there's, they are still in that so, big problems there, and then there's a leper colony in India. So, he does that to try to dispose of her. But both times, she re- she comes back unharmed. <laughs> and uh, then he was about to send her to an African jungle where a cannib- cannibal tribe lives. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, and then she is reporting missing because she doesn't return and is presumed dead. Monty is still a stockbroker, just so you know, and he's getting a decent amount of money from that job. His romance with Sabella continues, even though he's still going to get married, uh, and she is impressed by, or Sabella's impressed by Monty's determination to succeed. So his next target is Major Lord Bartholomew Dicewith, who is a vegetarian and bodybuilder. Bodybuilder, yeah. So, was that even a thing back then? I didn't think so. <laughs> but also, all their names are literally squith, 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 So I don't know how, like... Dice squith. Uh, what's the word? Correct all this technically is, or authentic. Okay, so he counters Bartholomew at a weightlifting hall, and he kind of charms his way into acting as his spotter on the bench press. Uh, pretending to misunderstand his cries for help, Monty adds more weight than Bartholomew can hold, and he allows the barbell to fall and decapitate him. Oh my gosh. So, he did. This do be a graphic show, though. I know. Monty, or Monty, he's, uh, continues to console Phoebe, and especially, it's just kind of like, everyone keeps dying, so she's starting to get very, like, and all of these people she's related to, so... It's, like, hard on her. Okay, this one. 
The next person is Lady Salome Dicewith Pumphrey is an appallingly bad actress currently star starring in a production of Henrik Isbin's Hedda Gabler. Remembering that the play ends with Hedda's suicide by a pistol shot to the head, Monty sneaks backstage and loads the prop gun with real bullets. Oh my gosh. So she actually shoots herself and dies. Um, and all everyone's like, all of the actors and directors, like, a part of the show are all like really like oh my god like like what and shocked imagine that but happening the like, audience was like they saw it and they thought like oh my god that looks so realistic so they were cheering they, <laughs> they're like oh my god yeah but because it looks so real well because it was yeah there's a reason for that <laughs> okay but imagine being in the audience and like somebody actually kills himself just i'd be mortified I feel like something like that. Oh, that happens in Moulin Rouge. In the end, that happens to someone kind of. Okay. They don't. They don't. They don't kill themselves, but the. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, obviously she was killing herself as the actress, but imagine like the act person like actually killing themselves. Like being in the audience and it's yeah. supposed to be a death, and I, then you see them actually die. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be terrifying, and like. Yeah, and that happens in Moulin Rouge, but. Nobody actually dies. Yeah, they do. Like in like in real life. Oh, well, in the show, I'm, I'm saying imagine in real life. Oh well, this isn't real either. I know, but I'm saying like imagine like that happening. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. I was thinking. The deaths of Reverend Lord Ezekiel Asquith Jr. Hen Henry Lady. Hyacinth, Major Lord Bartholomew, <laughs> and Lady Salome now leave only two people in the way until he will become the Earl. The present Earl, uh, Lord Asquith Sr., uh, Monty's employer and benefactor, but it doesn't say who the other person is. That comes up later. So, uh, the thing is, Monty realizes that he ha doesn't have any desire to kill Lord Asquith because... He, he's very friendly, and, like, he has no problems with him. Uh, but he doesn't have to worry about it, because suddenly the old man suddenly succumbs to a heart attack. <laughs> so oh, he just okay. died. Nice timing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, 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 as, okay, so the next one is Lord Adalbert. <laughs> he realizes that he himself is the only Dicequith still alive, and all of London is, like, going crazy, because... This young guy, Monty, who was just a commoner, has risen like so far up in this, the social ranks so quickly, and is now stands next in line to inherit Highhurst. So then the curtain rises on Lord Asquith's <laughs> senior's funeral. Monty delivers a stirring eulogy, um, but then but the assembled mourners are irritated at the endless string of Dicequith memorials they have to attend. <laughs> <laughs> like, dang it, another person died again. I don't want to go. I don't want to be sad anymore. I just want to stop going to the funeral. I'm like, these clothes are getting old. I'm <laughs> over it. I don't look good in black. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Lord Aldebert, he gets really worried because he thinks that there's a curse on his family and that he's going to die next. Uh, Monty and Sabella continue their affair, and he continues to love her despite everything happening. She says that she is unhappy with Lionel, but she says she also doesn't regret marrying him for self-interest and won't blame Monty for doing the same. However, she wouldn't accept it if, if he married someone for love. So it's okay to marry someone for self-interest, but... Ding. But not for love. So wait, she says if you marry someone, that's okay, but you can't love them. You're only allowed but to love them. You can't them. marry them just because you, you love them. Like, it's, just do it for, like, personal gain instead. Oh. What a great message. Don't yeah. marry someone for love. Marry for personal gain. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> no. Don't quote us on that. That's off the record. Um... <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no. Why are you laughing so hard? Is it because of off-a-record comment? 
I don't know, but I'm crying now. <laughs> you are crying. Uh, that was not even that funny. I know, that's why I'm like... <laughs> Maybe it's just because, like, we're actually recording, not just, like, a normal conversation. Do you ever just have something, though, that, like, hits you really funny and it's not even that funny? Yes, and everyone always gets mad at me because la- I'll just laugh. <laughs> no, this was me in choir, remember? Whenever we would, I I didn't, we had nine people in our choir, and sometimes we'd be singing, and I would just remember, we only have nine people in our choir, (laughs) and I would just start chucking, laughing, and we were, it's in the minute, or it was in the moment of, like, we were in the middle of singing a song, and I would just start laughing because of that, and she'd be like, why are you laughing, and I was like, there's only nine people in our choir, isn't that funny? That was, okay, but, like, this was not even that funny, but for some reason, it just struck me as, like, I just couldn't, ugh. It's okay. Okay, I'm good now. No worries. Let's keep going. Okay, Uh, where am I? Okay. So, then Sabella asked Monty if he can secure Lionel an invitation to Highhurst because he has his own political aspirations. While there, Phoebe unexpectedly arrives, and Sabella hides in the next room. Uh, Phoebe tells Monty that she wants to marry him, and she doesn't care even if the dice quests would look down on them. So I don't know if it, it's because, like, his mom, you know, mm-hmm. she was. Uh, and then Monty accepts, but he knows he's caught both figuratively and literally between the two women. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. So then he learns that Lady Hyacinth... Yes, I don't know. She has survived her encounter with the cannibal, ca- cannibals and is returning to London. <laughs> so she didn't die. She just um, she just arrived late. Her, her uh, plane had a delay. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so as she disembarks the ship, Monty uses an, an axe to cut the supports of the gangplank. It collapses and she drowns in the harbor. So she ends up dying. Okay. Just not from the can- Just not, not from the cannibals. Just not from the cannibals. Okay. She's like, dang it, I survived all of this just to drown. <laughs> I have done a lot. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Gosh. And then, so, Monty, Phoebe, Sabella, and Lionel are all invited to Highhurst for the weekend so that Lord Aldebert can meet his heir. Monty and Phoebe arrive first and meet the Earl and his wife, uh, Lady Eugenia Dicewith. The spirits of the Dicewith ancestors once again warn Monty, but he ignores them. Uh, so it also talks about how Lord Aldebert and Lady Eugenia, e- Eugenie, whatever, they have some, like, issues. Or, like, there's, there's some kind of thing going on. And Aldebert makes several remarks about the scandal caused by Monty's mother. So he's kind of calling him out. Team. And... He and Monty head off to look at some of the weapons that killed our ancestors. That's what it says in quotes, so I don't know. It's kind of weird, but... Sabella arrives at Highhurst without Lionel, who has been detained in the new market, and Phoebe and Monty's engagement is news to Sabella, because she doesn't know. She, Sabella break, or begs Monty to break it off and declares that she loves him. Although he still loves her, he angrily says that it's too late for her to claim ownership of him, and he's going to marry Phoebe anyways. At dinner, an awful meal is served, and Lady or Lord Aldebert and Lady Eugenia bicker about it and complain about it the whole time. Monty has brought along poison and <laughs> wants to slip it into Lord Aldebert's food, but cannot do so unnoticed. Miss Shingle, who initially brought Monty the news of his true lineage, appears. So this is the girl that came in the beginning, Miss mm-hmm. Shingle, and she was like, By the way, you are royal. And so she there and turns out she has been an employed as a servant by the dice Wizards for 39 years t at last monty slips poison into lord Al- adelbert's desert dessert dessert there we go dessert i almost said desert <laughs> <laughs> desert but to his horror the earl refuses it and he says sabella eat it and then so he like knocks it to the floor, and Monty does, because he's like, oh, I don't want Sabella to get it, so he, like, acts mm-hmm. like it was an accident. And then Lord Aldebert starts to tell the story of how he was betrayed by his valet during the Boer War. He gives Monty his loaded army rifle and demands that he play the part of the valet, ordering Monty to aim the gun at him. 
Oh my god. I know, it's so dumb. Like, I'm so confused. Oh my gosh. So, uh, but Monty cannot bring himself to shoot the Earl, and he lowers the gun because he just, like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Lord Adelbert takes a drink, and he suddenly drops dead. <laughs> with Lord Adelbert's death, Monty is now Lord Montague Dice with Navarro, ninth Earl of Highhurst. He and Phoebe uh, get married then. So... <sighs> However, at the wedding reception, Chief Inspector Pinkney of Scotland, yeah, I guess it's that, arrests him for the murder of Lord Adelbert. It has been discovered that he was poisoned. Monty remarks on the absurdity. He's like, I didn't do that. Why would I do that? And then a trial is held before the House of the Lords. Okay, good. We're almost there. I promise. (laughs) It's very long. It's interesting, though. I like it. Uh, Sabella testifies on Monty's behalf, but in a fit of passion, gives evidence that bolsters the prosecution's alleged motive for the crime. Of course it does. That the Dysquits inherited his mother and denied his existence. Um, so, on the evening before the jury is to render judgment, Monty is writing his memoirs in the cell, and that's how, why it started like that in the beginning. Okay. And strikes up a conversation with the jail's custodian, Chauncey. Turns out that Chauncey is a Dysquith, too. His father, having been a black sheet of the family, he was cast out in a, uh, in a manner similar to Isabel. Oh. Chauncey says that he doesn't mind having not been acknowledged. Uh, he has he says that he has none of the advantages of the Dysquith, but none of their troubles either. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, moved, by, moved by the encounter, uh, Monty shakes his hand and, uh, you know... They're like, okay, bye, nice to meet you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess that's how it went. Convinced of Monty's innocence, Phoebe visits him, visits him in jail, and uh, Phoebe has one important question to ask him. Is Sabella in love with him? She takes his silence as an answer as yes and departs. Uh, Monty concludes his memoir saying that the outcome will be revealed in the morning with the jury's verdict. Uh, Sabella arrives at the jail with a letter, which was supposedly written by Phoebe and addressed to Monty, confessing to poisoning the Earl so that Monty could take his rightful place. But then, Phoebe returns to the jail with a letter, this one apparently from Sabella, and also addressed to Monty, confessing the same thing. So, both women plead for the other to be arrested and to set uh, Monty free. The authorities declare that both women appear equally guilty. <laughs> and they can't convict one woman if they believe the other one guilty. Uh, so, and then it's it's obvious to everyone that these two women have conspired. Because they, they are, like, so in love with him that, like, they will do anything. Like, they do not think it's him at all. Or maybe if they do, they don't care. They'll they don't do care. Anything. They just love him so much. Yeah. Uh, so, Monty is awakened in a jail cell, and he is set free. Which he was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Cheering crowds greet him outside, and Phoebe and Sabella are there. Mont- Monty re- suddenly realizes that he's left his memoirs, which contain a full confession in the <gasps> cell. However, a guard hands Monty the journal, saying that he found it and thought Monty might need it. Reeling from this one last stroke of luck, Monty wonders who poisoned the Earl if he didn't. Miss Shingle appears and confesses to the audience that it was she who slipped acid into the Earl's port. In the final moments of the show, the company sings, and Chauncey appears holding a small bo- bottle of poison. Do you know who Chauncey? Remember Chauncey? The one who's like the custodian uh, in the jail. Yeah, singing. Poison. Like also has like the dice dice with yeah. blood. Yeah. And, oh my god. And he's implying he sings a song that implies that he's going to use it on Monty. After the curtain call, Monty hands Chauncey a poisonous belladonna flower. Chauncey eats it, grimaces, and exits the stage. And that's the end. Wow. I know. So it's like you think, oh, like Chauncey's going to end up getting it. But then Monty was already a step ahead of him. Monty was like, psych, I know what you're planning. It's just crazy because he never failed. Monty no. never failed throughout the whole thing. And, so wait, did the girls end up like in prison for the murder? That's the thing that doesn't make sense because it says in the one part Phoebe and Sabella are there 
So whenever he goes outside to be greeted by the crowds, the girls it says Phoebe there. and Sabella are there, evidently content to share him between them. Oh. So if they're equally guilty, I guess. Because Miss Shingle confesses, but to the audience, not, not to. Not to, like, yeah. So I guess they're all just fine. Because they thought maybe since they were equally guilty, they're like, well, maybe we can't convict them. But it's very interesting. I liked that. That was yeah. good. It's very long, and they have very interesting names, though. <laughs> I think the story was really good, but I think my favorite part of this was listening to you try to pronounce the names. Rude. It was so funny. It was not easy. <laughs> no, it was not easy, and I'm really glad I didn't have that one. I had Jason, Ivy, Peter. Yeah, what the heck. <laughs> you had Dice Squith. Johnson. Johnson. It's all good. So I enjoyed. Um, so coffee. Researching that one. Coffee is good. No, so, coffee, like, episode. Oh, dumb. <laughs> I even had it written in here. Oh, Where do you have it written? Oh. It's on my computer, which didn't save because it was offline. Give me a second. Rachel, entertain them with your singing. Uh, la, 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 la. <laughs> Okay. She's back. That's enough of that. <laughs> I just have to turn on my laptop because I typed it in here. That's why I didn't remember because it was not on the page. So I was well. I had a feeling when I said coffee, you were gonna be like, "Oh yeah, my coffee's good." Yeah, <laughs> that's literally what I did. <laughs> oh, I just bumped. Do I know co- you or do I know you? I'm gonna go with you know me, but maybe not. Maybe it's just do I? I know you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Monty is latte. Because latte according equals to power. The, because according to the equation, latte <laughs> equals power. Uh, Sabella. Oh, I love that. She's iced vanilla coffee with almond milk. Because I feel like she's very, like, because, like, she's got to be all fancy and royal, like, so, and specific about I things. I love that so, you specifically needed almond milk. Yes, I'll say one and even. She's it. lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know, fun fact. <laughs> Sabella's lactose intolerant. Uh, Phoebe, I had coffee with cream and sugar because, well, I didn't want to give her black coffee because she's not bad, but I just thought she was kind of like, she kind of seems bland. And maybe she's not an actual show, but just hearing it. She seems bland. Yeah, I get that. She kind of seems bland, and I just thought she'd be kind of uh, chill. And then Miss Shingle is cold brew, but no cream or sugar or anything. <laughs> Because she's hardcore and, but not black coffee because she's, I mean, she's fine. She was, yeah, she's, she's, she's cool. I yeah. just feel like she's very hardcore, so I, I had to go with that. I so get it. that is what I did. Accurate, I enjoyed that, yes. Thanks. Good. You're so amazing. Thanks. You're welcome. Power equals latte. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> It's still so funny that we did that. This like, without even talking, we both gave like the person in power a latte. I know. <laughs> oh gosh. So I didn't know how I felt about this coffee, but like it's grown on me. Insane. I don't. Mine tastes kind of good. I kind of like. I it. like it too. I mean, coming from Shell, I didn't have very high expectations. Maybe that's part of like. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was like a brain thing, and now that like I'm open to. Yeah, the it's idea. actually pretty good. I'm. I just realized I've barely been drinking it though, which makes me mad because I'm like Aaron. Stop ta- talking all the time. <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed to talk. This is a podcast. Mm. I know. <laughs> but uh, I still... Oh, sorry. That was the strawberry puff bag. Yeah, if you heard a, like, crinkle, crinkle, that was <laughs> us munching on strawberry puffs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're good, right? Yeah. I didn't know what I felt about it the first time. I was just kind of like, it's eh, but then it was good. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> this just reminds me of my childhood, so that's probably why. But, yeah, I'm thriving with this coffee and strawberry puffs. So oh, God. Lot, yeah, a lot better than what I was expecting. Because after we got that one place that we were originally planning to go to, we couldn't go in. I was just like, Ugh. Yeah, the like, nearest coffee me. shop was like 10 minutes the direction that we had just came. Yeah. It's like we would have had to backtrack a lot. 10, yeah. to, 10 to 20, depending on how fast you drive it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh. So, here we are. <laughs> That shell. Yeah, so. Aaron wanted Mike and Ike's. 
Oh my god. She went through all the aisles while I was checking out, and she goes, they don't have Mike and Ike's here, and I'm like, there's no way that Shell does not have Mike and Ike's. So I went, and I found it right away, and I was like, Aaron, literally right here. I swear, I, you, you tricked, you did something. I it was magic. I, I tricked the box. You did magic. You made it suddenly appear. Shoot, you got me. It. I'm a sorcerer. Yes. Sorceress. <laughs> you can't even say the so, word. Yeah, that's because... Um, it keeps my identity hidden. Oh, God, shut up. <laughs> us talking about Mike and Ike's, us talking about being a... Sorcerer? Uh, sorcerer. sorcerer. Sor- wow, why does it sound so weird? Sorcerer. 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 Because it's er, er. Sorcerer. 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 Sorceress. Is that a word? Sorceress. I don't know. If you just say confidently, maybe they'll believe you. I am a sorcerer. <laughs> you're weird so are you yeah okay so, uh, do you have anything else anything new i don't think so me neither i think i'm just vibing next episode is we have a guest star i'm pretty sure correct isn't that next yeah yes next episode right? you will get to meet Jason and Ray, who we've missed, yeah, referenced quite a few times. They're oh. going to be coming on to talk about things directors look for and just tips and things that I guess you don't see being on stage. Yeah, and they have a lot of experience with it, so... This was something that was highly requested. I went out and asked some people what they would want to listen to in a podcast, and a lot of people responded with stuff straight from actual directors. So yeah. So you said, and we listened. Yes. There you go, so... Stay tuned for that lovely episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Make sure you check out our social media and Patreon page and website and all that jazz. All that jazz. Link in the bio. We know the drill. Mm -hmm. Episode eight. I sure hope they do. Yeah. They know it. They know the drill. We We are a little unsure still. We just. We just. (laughs) No. It's just we know the drill, but we just don't know how to say the name of our podcast. And that's a big problem. <laughs> I never thought it would be this difficult. I know. Coffeehouse Theater Company. Like, it's not that hard. I know, but then sometimes I say co and sometimes I say company. And it's rough. They were probably like, these girls should not be doing a podcast. They can't even get the name right. Sorry, my mom just texted me. Hi, Diane. Yes. Shout out to Diane. Shout out to my mom. She asked, are you going to be home soon so you can take her Mateo? I was like, yes. I'm coming. Like, I'm coming. So, we're all good then. Okay, that is all we have for today. So, so oh, why do you always <laughs> say things at the same time? So it's so crazy. Uh, thank you. Yes, thanks and for listening. And we will see you next episode with our guest, guest stars. So, Woohoo! Bye. See ya.